know that as the birthday of the church. And here we're looking at Peter again as Peter, the first uh, was disciple in the sense of the rock upon which the discipleship was built, the brother of Andrew, who happens to be my favorite disciple. I love Andrew, love them all, but Andrew to me, he seeks out my heart because he loved to be right in the middle of things and know the presence of God. But Peter, of course, now this fisherman who has turned to preacher is sharing in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, the 12th verse. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's suffering, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. And if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. I love this verse. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourself. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, let us hear these words of Peter as they encourage us to withstand the storm and fight the good fight and run the race that has been set before us. Let us know that we are called, not just asked politely, but called to cast all our worries on you. And Lord, that means everyone. For you are able to take what we have and even more. For your grace is sufficient. Will you bless us as we gather here in this time? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Christian faith is a unique experience in the religions of the world. Most religions of the world are based upon philosophies and ideas. People that adhere to these religions usually follow, practice a certain code of conduct. But the Christian faith is not really based upon rule or regulation is based upon relationship as we established last week that this is a personal faith with a personal God. And in this scripture, Peter is reminding the followers that we are to expect certain things when we live certain ways. So he says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I mean, I'll just, make it, I'll just make it real clear. I'll cut to the chase here, really the point. If you love, the world will hate you. It's that simple. If you do good, they will do bad to you. It's that simple. The world despises the Christian faith. The reason the world despises the Christian faith is not a faulty belief system. The reason the world despises the Christian faith is the world is mortal. It is locked in a, a, a loop of death. It's spiraling towards chaos. 
The reason the world hates us is that we represent the good, the eternal, the hope. And we have a good reason to represent that because our forefathers and mothers in the faith watched Jesus go back into the cloud. They watched him enter into heaven from that mountain of ascension. So Peter is saying, do not be surprised people don't like you. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, I can tell you, uh, that is something that uh, we struggle about. Earlier in my life, in my ministry, even in my youth, I wanted people to be pleased. I wanted people to like me. And I haven't changed any. I still want people to like me, but frankly, if they like me or not, it doesn't change that I love them. See, the faith that we keep demands not just our action, but to know their certain response. And I can tell you in ministry, there have been times that I have not been welcomed by people. I remember there was this one person, I will not say where. <laughs> it was a very sad situation. It was a loss of life, and I went and I did ministry. And I remember that, uh, that she got a little fiery, and uh, her husband came over and said, Preacher, you better leave now or you will be shot. And I told him, I said, okay, well, I'm gone. And she said, good riddance to you. And I said, I'm only here trying to tell you Jesus loves you. And she says, I don't care. I know she was in the midst of loss. And it was a great loss, a tragic loss. And I know that perhaps she had something to do with that loss because of her attitude and her ways, her sinful ways. But it doesn't change the fact that here we were as the church offering good and she responded in this fiery way back to us. And some church people were upset because they also were threatened by her. And they said, preacher, what are we to do? And I said, we just got to love her. I said, that's all we can do and just make sure she don't shoot us. She actually told me to let the door handle hit me where the Lord did something to me. She did. But by the grace of God, within the year, she was back in church worshiping. And thank goodness that she was humble at that point, which we'll talk about in a minute. So don't be surprised when the world hates you when you love people. It just comes with, comes with the territory. But you got to know that in heaven there is no such thing as hate. There is no such thing as division. There is no such thing as fiery response because in heaven the devil has been beaten. The devil has been cast down. And a lot of times you'll find the devil is behind this. In fact, all the time. Because the devil doesn't want us to enjoy this life or this faith that we keep. He wants to make it miserable. And I pray out of this storm that we're in, this, this virus that has swept over our country and world, I pray the church take a respite and realize that we have more to enjoy with, we, with each other than we do to hate on each other. Church has got to the point in the past 10 years in our conference that our conference established a team to go and work with the churches, usually for the problems that existed. And this team would go into different churches and try to analyze what was causing the problem. And the simple fact about it is there were just people hating on each other. 
arguing with each other. And we're not just talking about the oppression of the society upon us where the government makes rules to, to, to single us out instead of other places out, which uh, we have looked at in our culture and we're debating where religious freedom extends and where individual liberties extend and the conflicts. We're not talking about the legality of this persecution. We're just saying the persecution is coming from outside and it's also coming with inside, and it breaks things down. And I tell you, if it ever gets in the door of a church, it can take a beautiful church and make it into a toxic church. But Spring Hill is blessed in such a way that even though we may disagree with each other for whatever the reason may be, we still come back together and honor and respect and love one another in the name of Jesus. So he says in the 13th verse, Rejoice insofar as you are sharing in Christ's suffering. You may also be glad and shout for joy when glory is revealed. In other words, you, you don't really know you're hungry till you're hungry. When you're hungry, you know you're hungry. When you're not hungry, well, well you just don't know you're hungry. I can tell you I'm hungry. What about you, Brad? You hungry? Brad's always said he's always hungry. I'm not going to ask the rest here because I know some of them are. See, we need to be hungry for the gospel. I love the way I say hungry. I, I just I have always said it that way. I would say, Mom, I'm hungry. And Mom would cook me some biscuits and she'd cook me some chicken and some butter beans and there we go. They say you are what you eat. Well, that tells you I'm a chicken. <laughs> with biscuits. Not so much gravy though. So rejoice uh, in sharing in Christ's suffering for he wants you to be glad and shout for joy when glory is revealed. It says if you are reviled for the name of Christ you are blessed because the spirit of glory which is the spirit of God is resting on you. In other words when you experience the Christian call you experience it in a world that needs to hear it. And I can tell you in ministry for these 30-some years, the areas I've seen with the greatest need are the areas where people need the most. I used to do senior adult ministry at Wesley Pines in Lumberton for three years. In fact, at that point, I thought about going into a specialization of that ministry. And Lord knows we need to pray for each and every one and all the areas of care in our culture and society right now. And I remember that I went in the first time, uh, in fact, I worked with Jerry Cribb, who, um, uh, no, it was Jerry Lowry. He was, he, was the, he was former DS, and he was the chaplain. It was Jerry Lowry, and he told me, he said, Jerome, he said, understand, these are people. And I went in expecting wisdom, and I expected people to act their age and give me advice and me to hear their stories. And, and I went into a situation on occasion that was very difficult. I had two ladies who had a feud across the hall from each other, and they'd sit in their wheelchairs every day, and they'd fuss each other out in the hallway. And I'd always make sure to go down that hall to get in the middle of them. And they just fussing, fussing, fussing. And I finally one day said, what are you ladies fussing about? And the one said, I don't like the way she beats me to the lunch table. She always wants to get there first. And I said, well, you just got to get a faster wheelchair is all it amounts to. She didn't see the humor in it. 
I thought she would out of her wisdom and advanced age, but instead it was like dealing with children. And I said to the nurses, I said, how do you handle this? And they said, we handle this like we do with children. We love them through these times. See, we are living in a time right now that people, people are selfish. Let's go ahead and call it. In fact, I, I, I hate to say this, but I really don't. Some people are going to hell because of toilet paper. Yes, the preacher said it. Some people are going to the place of eternal fire and punishment because they hoarded toilet paper. Because I can tell you the preacher and his family had a time finding that toilet paper. My Lord, have mercy. They said people were collecting bullets and toilet paper. And I tell you, that's not a good sign. Because it means they may do one thing or another and neither one you don't want. So we're living in a time that you can see this. When Irene, the hurricane, come through the Outer Banks and it tore the Outer Banks up and it flooded Wan Chi's and we did all that ministry and mission for a year. We had teams living in the church. I remember we were passing out water and we started to have to take names of people because we had people keep coming by with different family members <laughs> to get water. And they said they were hoarding water. They were putting water up in the top of their house in the attic and we finally limited the number of water cases they could get. We had plenty of it, but uh, we had to make sure others that needed it could get to it. See, we live in a world that is selfish. And Peter knew this, and that's why he's saying, don't be surprised. So how do we handle these things? Well, we don't start to boast or claim somehow we have an inside track. We humble ourselves, he says in the sixth verse, so that the mighty hand of God may exalt us. And I can tell you right now, that's very important. Because when you humble yourself, you can be picked up by God. But the one thing God won't mess with is your pride. And if you don't humble yourself, he will not be to lift you up. So in other words, if there's a problem you got and you think you can solve it, then more power to you. But you need to humble yourself and let the Lord solve the problem and lift you up. And I can tell you that because I know that. My final year of seminary, I had to drive by the very place we lost an entire family, my sister and all of her, her husband and her children in a house fire. Every day I had to drive by that place in Wake Forest, and I remember I thought I could carry it, and I realized one day I couldn't carry it. It was too heavy for me to carry, so I humbled myself, and instead of looking to my left where the fire had devastated the house, and they still didn't tear it down, and I wanted it tore down. I wanted it away because it caused so much pain. I instead, the Lord said, look to the right. And I looked to the right and there was a field and I pulled that little car over into the side there into the edge of the field and I ran out into the field and there was a single flower in that field. And God, he told me to pick that flower and I did and he said, put it in your Bible and let me take care of this. And I did. Now you may say that's very sentimental, Jerome. I want you to know I finished number one in my class. I made straight A's after that point. My brain <laughs> became on fire. 
I ended up with a doctor's degree because of that single event where I gave it to God and I was able to totally focus on my studies and become God's child in a special way. In other words, I humbled myself and he exalted me to be the first doctoral child of the Smith clan. So when they were proud of me when I walked across the stage there and started on my academic experience of finishing that part of my life, I was not proud of me. I was exalting God because God put me there. Because if it hadn't have been for God, I would have dropped out of that seminary. I wouldn't be here today. And the gospel wouldn't be real and living to me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Peter's saying, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may lift you up in due time. And then that beautiful seventh verse of the fifth chapter, some of you, this is your favorite scripture, cast all your cares on him, one version says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Isn't that something? The God of eternal glory, the creator God, the redeemer God, the sustainer God, the God who is so much larger than we are. I mean, just when you go outside, look at an ant one day. Look at an ant on the ground and realize how small that ant is and realize how small we are to God who is so big. And yet God loves us even though we are minute and small. Who are we? Yet God cares for us. In fact, John even said how much he cares for us. He cares for us so much. He did the only thing he could do to save us. He gave us the law. He wouldn't obey us. We wouldn't obey it. He gave us the prophets. We killed them. He gave us uh, the temple. We defiled it. He gave us everything. But the only thing he could give us to redeem us is not what we could hold, but what holds us. Jesus. So he says, discipline yourselves, keep alert. Because like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around. Um, I know some of you got into this Tiger King thing. I'm not looking at anybody, but some, I know some of you did. I know you did out there in the cars. Don't honk the horn if you did. I want you to know I watched one episode of it. And uh, uh, you remember Forrest Gump? He says, stupid is, as stupid does. You remember that? I have never seen such a group of people in my life, and I pray I never do. If I were appointed to that place to do ministry, God have mercy, not only would I have to worry about guns, I'd have to worry about tigers. It's amazing, you know. What, what is that old saying? People who tend to play with dragons get eaten by them. I don't know why, why people want to play with the devil. Because the devil, you know what? He's mean. And, and he has nothing but bad intentions. And he will destroy you. Oh, he'll come in. He'll say, let's do this and that. You got the freedom. That tree isn't what you think it is. It's something else. God's, he's, he's lying to you. And the devil is the father of all lies. And if you want to find the devil, look for lies. Because you can track them right through the lies. And TV ain't made things more real. It's even made it more fake. I can tell you that wicked tuna weren't as real as they claimed it was. Because they have to set it up in the stories they make it in the, the room there. When 
they edit the film. So the devil's editing the film of your life and making you think certain things instead of knowing it. And he says, how do we keep alert? We discipline ourselves. We're Methodists. We use the methodology. Resist him. Stand steadfast in your faith and know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. In other words, we are being empowered because we are together marching desire. I love that hymn. Don't y'all love that hymn? Looking at Johnny and Robbie. Isn't that a great hymn? Marching design. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. In fact, at seminary, when I finished that final year, my family was sitting out there and sister, of course, is up in heaven with her children and her husband. And I'm walking across that stage about to, to get that degree. I remember they were singing this song, Marching Design. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. And I thought to myself, indeed, we are going to the promised land. That God has opened the portal for us to enter in. See, resist him and be steadfast in your love. And after you have suffered a little while, oh, I know. I know when it's dark, it's so dark but how bright the light shines in the midst of the darkness. I know it's dark, it's so dark, but know that God has created a light to guide you back home. And as St. Francis said, it's a brother moon, and father sun, guide us home. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, and he lays out these four areas of redemption. He will restore you. In other words, you will get what belongs to you. The airship. You are a child of God. He will restore you. So whatever the thief has broken and taken from you, your heart, your love, your peace, he will restore you. And then he will support you. In other words, God won't just put you back where you were. He's now put you under his loving arms. His wings have spread over you. He will support you. He will strengthen you. Because we need this strength, not just for this journey, but we need it for the journey to come. Because in how I understand heaven is we're not going to lay around and play harps. We got work to do. We're eternal creatures children of the eternal God, and we got eternal tasks to do. He will strengthen us for this ministry, for this outreach of hope and love, and he will then establish you so that you will be known and identified as unique in the vision of God and of each other. He will establish you with a name, a name he has chosen for you. You know, we each have names in our Western culture. Usually we have three. We have our surname, our last name identifies what work we did. Like I'm a Smith, so apparently my ancestors were, uh, they were most likely um, us blacksmiths. I doubt they were goldsmiths, but they were blacksmiths. Uh, then my first name is George. That's my given name. My father was George. His grandfather was George. We've been George from the very beginning of our Smith line. But my middle name is Jerome. It's a holy name, a Christian name. And he named me Jerome because he was studying St. Jerome, the translator of the Bible. 
into Latin from the ancient languages of Greek and Aramaic. And he named me Jerome, and little did I know that that name would become my defining area of ministry in my early part of the ministry, and that I translated the Bible when the first things I ever did is I made the Bible digital, and I put it into versions on the early part of the internet, and pieces of that still exist. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That I was able to translate the Word of God into the digital format that even today in this olive tree software I use, I'm reading a digital version. And I tell you, when you're copying the Bible, you got to make sure every word is correct. Every word is right. See, you have been established in this Word that is eternal. To Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we gather here, we thank you for these words of grace and this place of hope and your presence of peace. Lord, help us to know that the world does not understand this grace, but we are called to live it. Let us live it in perfect harmony with your son, Jesus. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Now may the grace of the Father, the love of the Son, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore we pray. Amen.